Okay, I titled this talk today, I Don't Like Myself, because I think that's what's at the core of insecurities. And we're going to get more to that in a minute. But I wanted to say that everyone has insecurities. It's easy to think that I have insecurities, but other people don't. In fact, look at that guy over there. He looks confident. I'm sure he doesn't have insecurities. Don't we think like that? That's a lie. It's not true at all. Confidence is oftentimes a smokescreen for insecurities. We'll talk about that in a minute. Sometimes the most confident people you see have the most insecurities of anyone you know. And that confidence maybe is a wall that they've built up to kind of hide their insecurities and to make the world think they don't have insecurities. Because at the core, nobody wants to be insecure, right? Because insecure equals weak in our minds. And nobody wants that. So we try to build that up and try and make ourselves stronger. Here are a few different signs of insecurities that come to mind. This is by no means exhaustive. There are many more characteristics of insecurities. But I'd say pride is always an indication of insecurities. Accomplishments. Sometimes when you see somebody that has more accomplishments than you can imagine, it's because they're insecure and their insecurity is driving them to accomplish. That can be dangerous. Control. Sometimes people with a high level of control, somebody that looks like they have everything together, might be organizing their life because of their insecurities. The appearance of confidence, like I said, could be a smokescreen for insecurities. Going it alone. Sometimes when you see a loner that isn't going to do it with anybody else, they're going to go alone. Right? They're going to do it my way. Oftentimes that's a huge sign of insecurities. Because I don't want to make myself vulnerable to other people around me. Fear is a sign of insecurities, I think, in a lot of areas. Right? When you, like, when you look at your life and see fear in different areas, you can assume that a lot of those fears go back to insecurities or areas that you feel weak. You're probably not going to be very afraid in areas that you feel strong. Does that make sense? So when you see fear, it's always kind of a, a red flag for insecurities. Gossip. <coughs> gossip is a huge indicator of insecurities. Because, and we'll get to this in a minute, gossip is belittling others to try and make myself look bigger or better, right? And it's a huge sign of insecurity. Those are just a few. Oftentimes, both the life of the party and the social recluse are controlled by insecurities. They're just expressing those in different ways or hiding those in different ways. One might be saying, I'm hiding them by hiding from people, and the other might say, I'm hiding them by acting confident in front of other people. Right? So what are some of yours? We're going to go around the room right now, talk loudly, and I want to hear some of the insecurities that you guys in this room have. So let's start with you. Not being accepted. And, and yell this out, guys. Starting. Not being accepted. Appearance. It's blank. What was that? It's blank. Okay. Insecure about what people think of me. Being alone. Evangelizing to non-Christians. Insecure with my family. Appearance. Overweight. Oh, Acceptance or rejection by the opposite sex. Biblical knowledge. Biblical knowledge. Mm -hmm. Friendships or relationships. Friendships and relationships. My biggest insecurity is that everyone around me is not only pretending to like me, but no one truly likes me. Mm -hmm. Confidence. My body. My body. The past. Not being liked. Weak believer. Smelly feet. <laughs> <laughs> Impure thoughts. Failure. 
People I trust most. People I trust most giving up on me. My past. Getting hurt by someone and not talking to them, him or her again. Failure. Patience. Being alone. Past sexual sins. Pride, fear, anger, and trust. My relationship. Awesome. Insecurity of never living up to God's plan for me. Yeah. Have you guys all kind of dealt with some of those? No. I think the one that Christine said was one that that kind of <coughs> maybe <coughs> it's a good way of thinking of all these, and that's that even though people act like they like me, maybe they really don't. You guys ever thought that? I wonder what people really think about me. We'll get to that in a minute, and it'll make sense. But again, none of those insecurities are yours alone. Probably all of us have felt those in some way, and probably all of us have felt those in a lot of ways, right? Okay, so insecurities are defined as areas of self-doubt that cause a lack of confidence or assurance. You get that? That's the dictionary definition. They're defined as areas of self-doubt that cause a lack of confidence or assurance. Basically, they're things that you don't like about yourself. If I could change something, I would change that. Does that make sense? Right? It's something I don't like about myself and I'm afraid of other people seeing in me. They're rooted in the fear of man, right? They're rooted in the fear of man. And we'll talk about that again, but this really goes back to fear. The issue is that we all walk around wondering what others think about us, not realizing that all the people we're wondering about are walking around wondering what we think about them. Does that make sense? Right? So everybody's in this boat together. Right? We can walk around saying, oh, I wonder what every person in this room thinks of me. And oftentimes every other person in the room is thinking the same thing. <laughs> and in reality, they're not thinking badly about me. They're thinking I'm thinking badly about them. Right? And imagine how hard it is to be the body of Christ that we need to be when we're all walking around thinking the worst about how each other view us and wondering the worst about how each other view us. It's not going to happen ever. right? And so... There are several different types of insecurities, or areas of insecurities. We've been talking about different areas of fear on this project, about personal fears, relational fears, physical fears, ministry fears. Those are some broad topics. You could probably find others. But insecurities affect all of those as well, right? Insecurities aren't just relegated to one area. In fact, I think that, and I'll get to this in a minute more, but if you could get your biggest insecurity under control, I'm sure you'd just find five other areas to be insecure. Because insecurity has very little to do with the issue that we're insecure about. It has a whole lot to do with something in my heart, where I'm not finding my confidence in the right place. And we'll get to that. And so it isn't so much focused on that one issue, but rather in the whole issue of where is my confidence. And so, those areas are some major areas that you'll find insecurities. Now, I want to tell you that no one is Im immune from insecurities. No one. No one is immune from insecurities. President Obama looks confident and bold, and he's the president of the U.S., and like him or hate him, or whatever. You'd think he's probably not insecure. I promise you, underneath all of that, he's got major insecurities, just like everybody else. Right? No one's immune. In fact, Jesus was tempted with insecurities. He never gave in to him. Remember Hebrews 4.15? He was tempted in every way that we have been, yet without sin. So think of your worst insecurity, what you wrote on that paper, or what you were too insecure to write on that paper, 
Think about that insecurity and realize Christ was tempted with that very insecurity. Okay? It's not like Christ was tempted kind of, but not with the bad things. Right? And just as a side note, he's been tempted with the worst temptation that anybody could ever be tempted with. I mean, just think about it. If he's been tempted in all ways, that means all ways. Okay? So you can imagine what the worst sins on this planet are. He was tempted with those. Your Savior. And he was without sin, right? So he walked this path. So as far as insecurities go, he was tempted with all of them. So if you're insecure about your body, he was insecure about his body at some point, and he trusted God with that. If you're insecure about your leadership, he was too, and trusted God with that. If you're insecure about relationships, he was too, and trusted God with that. Does that make sense? So you're not alone in this. You're not alone, but your Savior was tempted with every insecurity you've ever been tempted with, including your worst insecurities, yet without sin. Now I want to be real honest with you and share some of my biggest insecurities, because I think that it'll help for you to see in me that I have those too. Does that make sense? A lot of times people think, oh, you're a leader, you must not have insecurities. And I know there have been years of my life where I lived controlled by insecurities. Alright? And I'm asking God to free me from those. And I want to be real honest with you. One of my insecurities comes from the fact that I'm really bold. By nature, I'm just really bold, right? I, and, and usually I have a passion for God's truth, so I state it like it is. Well, what happens when you state it like it is boldly? <clears throat> Any ideas? What? People get offended. <clears throat> I have offended almost every friend I've ever had in this life at some point in our relationship. And by God's grace, usually I can go to that person and make it right, you know? But sometimes I've got to the point where I almost hate the fact that I'm bold. Does that make sense? And in fact, this is something you should, you should see. That's a gift that God gave me. Right? That's a gift that God gave me. But Satan's going to take that gift and he's going to try and convince me not to use that gift in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because look at what happened when you did it on your own. You offended people. Or maybe even when I did it the right way. I've taken hard stands that were very unpopular. <laughs> Stephanie Brown knows exactly one that I'm talking about right now. And took a lot of flack for and got a lot of, uh, a lot of support for. But the flack always hits me harder than the support. I could have ten people tell me that was the greatest thing anybody's ever done. But one person tells me they hate me for it, that's all I can think about. Right? It drives me insane. And it seems to me that it happens about every six months <laughs> in my life. And I've come to the conclusion, I've, said, I've been saying this this summer for the first time, I'm going to embrace this. I'm going to embrace the fact that I'm bored. I'm, I'm okay with offending people. And when I do, I'm going to do everything I can to make it right. I'm not going to try to offend them. But instead of getting so torn up when somebody does get offended, I'm going to simply trust God that he can mend this relationship. But I have spent so much time worrying about what others thought of me because I was too bold. Okay? Even people that I know approve of me and support me, wondering what they think of me because I'm too bold. Right? Sometimes I feel like I'm far too abrasive. I don't want to be that way. I want to be friendly. But I'm just, that's my nature to be real bold and go for it. I feel like I have to prove myself, and I don't know why that is. I think it goes back to my childhood. My mom always had huge expectations for me. My mom would always say, our entire ministry, because my parents are in ministry, it isn't for us, it's just a foundation for your ministry. And God is going to do huge things through you, Nate. And, and looking back, I always used to think that was positive for her to say those things to me. In retrospect, I can't say. I mean, maybe there was some positive aspect to it, but it also set up this this mental 
barrier that if I didn't accomplish great things for God, I would be a failure, right? And so sometimes I wonder, am I striving to accomplish because I want to please God or because I want to please my mom or some expectation that I had growing up? Does that make sense? And then I wonder if my insecurity can drive me to be (laughs) successful in ministry, how much more could authentic relationship with Christ drive me to accomplish what he desires, right? If my sin can drive me to be fruitful in ministry, how much more could fellowship with Christ drive me to be to accomplish things for him. Does that make sense, guys? But sometimes those insecurities destroy me, that I have to prove myself. Uh, A lot of times that makes me feel really guilty about resting. You can ask Aaron, I can't take a nap. I would almost rather get hit by a truck than take a nap. I feel guilty if I rest, because I feel like I'm not doing something. I feel like I've got to be doing something. I mean, it'll be 10 o'clock at night, and I'll, I'll have 19 ministry ideas in my head, and I feel like if I don't start doing one right now, I'm wasting this time, and it's... 10, 15 at night, right? Or a weekend. You know, we could have three straight... We could get home from this Crush Fear project, and I can already tell you what I'm going to think when I get home. I need to get all these talks online. I need to get this video edited. I need to, I need to, I need to, I need to. Does that make sense? And every second that I just enjoy peace without doing those things, internally I'm going to be feeling a lot of guilt and shame about not doing them. That's wrong. That's not godly. You can go to Hebrews 4 if you're, if you're kind of in the same boat as me and look at what Scripture says about entering into God's rest. I need to do that much, much more. Right? Oftentimes I feel awkward around highly successful people. Like my uncle. He is a very successful lawyer. And just because he's so successful, I feel like um, to be accepted by him, I have to be equally successful. Does that make sense? And that's wrong. That's not true. He's my uncle. He loves me. But... I feel that way, and it's not right. Okay, sometimes, let's talk about relationships. Those are some personal issues. Relationships. In my relationship with God, I feel insecure. I feel like I don't pray enough. I feel like I don't know His Word enough. And, you know, in my church, it's funny, because a lot of times the pastors will say, even from the pulpit sometimes, Nate, you know Scripture better than anyone we know. Like, what do you think about this verse? And, um, and, I feel insecure when they talk about that. And then I feel insecure about not knowing enough. It's so bizarre. Like, sometimes my insecurity has driven me to know God's Word to the point where others would recognize that I have a fairly decent handle on God's Word. But then I'm still insecure about not knowing it enough instead of just finding my security in Him and and getting in His Word for His sake, not for my own image. Does that make sense? So, golly, one time one of the pastors from our church said, he said, Nate, that's the only place from the pulpit. Nate, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't that the only place in the Bible that's said? And I freaked out. And I knew it was, but I freaked out just because he called it out like that. And I felt like my insecurity was about to explode. And it's a pretty big church, too. But it was weird. Okay, so sometimes I have insecurities about my relationship with Jesus. I have insecurities about my relationship with my wife. I feel like I'm not a good enough husband. And I strive to be the husband God's called me to be. But sometimes, when I don't measure up to my expectations for the husband that I want to be, when I'm critical of her, or when I argue with her, or things like that, I go the opposite direction and think, man, I'm a failure of a husband. I am the worst. That you know, Does that make sense? I start to think very lowly of myself. I do that with my kids, too. Like on this Crush Fear project. They're not getting any time with me. I'm a terrible dad. Look at Kyle, and I think Kyle's... The best husband and dad I can imagine. (laughs) 
And I think, I don't compare to that, you know. Do you guys see what I'm saying? So no matter who we are, we can start to have insecurities about everything. They'll run rampant if we let them. I have insecurities about friendships, like I said before. Am I being a bad friend? Do those friends even care for me anymore? Have I been so focused on ministry that, that I haven't showed them that I love them, right? And sometimes that's been the case. But I get, um, I get insecure about my friendships. I have physical insecurities too, right? We talk about physical fears. Um, one of my insecurities that I that I've shared, I don't know, I don't think I've shared it on this one, is my chest. I shared it with uh, with a lot of the guys in my soul to soul. My brother and I used to do push-ups all the time, like four or five hundred a day growing up. And so both of us are pretty broad-shouldered and have like, pretty big chests. And in college, my roommate would always say, "Dude, you have man boobs. You have man boobs. You have man boobs." That started driving me insane. I mean, I was so afraid of what people thought. You know, I had to think to myself, man, I just wish I was skinny so that nobody would think that about me, right? And that insecurity was really big until last crush fear. <laughs> last crush fear. I said, that's so stupid of me to think, you know? <laughs> and uh, I talked to Aaron about it and all that, but I said, you know what, I'm just going to say it to everybody at crush fear. And that was like the best thing I ever did, I promise you, because it hasn't really been an insecurity since. Does that make sense? Um, I, I, I'm in my 30s and I still get zits. That drives me nuts. You know, and it always seems like it happens before something important, probably because I'm stressed out about what's coming up, right? <laughs> um, last year, we got asked to lead the evangelism for this huge concert. With 13, last year, I had 12,000 people, I think. Lee was there, and we were doing evangelism, and we did some evangelism workshops there. And I was like, bang, God, please just don't let me get any zits before that show. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. I, you know what I mean? It was crazy. I, I was thinking, that's, that's absurd. We had... You know, we had backstage passes, so we we're going to be potentially hanging out with people like Michael Libby Smith and Third Day and Cutlass and all these different people. We ended up not even going backstage once, because that was not why we were there. We were there to share the gospel. And there were a lot of non-Christians there. But I had these insecurities about my acne, okay? Who the heck cares about that, right? It's not a big deal. I get insecure about my possessions. I think I left, the guy that took my job is making six figures now. You know, he took my job seven years ago when I went into ministry. I think I'm not making six figures. <laughs> you know, um, sure, if you count those two after the dot. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you, I get insecure about how much money I'm making. And I start to see people our age, my age, that have gotten out of college and are actually starting to drive nice cars and buy big houses, especially in Durango. Most people that can afford to live here, afford to live here, right? It's an expensive place to live, and so they can afford it. And I start to think, golly, we live in a modular, and, I, and I'm insecure about that, right? And our modular costs more than most houses in most places. We had to pay around 200000 for our modular here in Durango, okay? But I'm still insecure about that. I'm so insecure about that, I was afraid of having all the students come to our house. <laughs> I don't want everybody to think we live in a modular. I think we're trailer trash or something like that. <laughs> Does that make sense? Do you guys see how insecurities can start to run our lives? And I'm telling you these so that I can tell you how, to, how I find victory over these thoughts that could drive me insane. Finally, ministry. I get this, this almost daily fear that I'm not going to accomplish all that God wants me to accomplish. That I'm going to blow it. That I'm not going to do what he wants me to do. And the older I get, I've woken up in the middle of the night sweating and panicking, thinking I'm wasting my life. Like, this hasn't happened for a lot of years, but it, it used to happen quite frequently when I first got involved in ministry, when I first went on full-time staff. 
right? And then I also fear that I will accomplish all that God wants for me. I'm not kidding you. Satan will, no matter what direction you go, he's going to hit you there with insecurities. Right? I'm afraid that I won't accomplish, and then I'm afraid that I will accomplish. Right? In fact, this is just being honest, and I haven't even told Kyle this, but I got asked to do this commencement speech in Grand Junction. And I was praying. Like, I just pray that his drivers don't show up, because I'm, I'm afraid like they're going to think that that, like, they should have been asked instead of me, and they should have been asked, you know, I think, mean, gosh, they're, and, and I'm just like, and then Kyle, he texts me right after I talk, I didn't even see him, <laughs> he's like, you sneaky dude, <laughs> he was in the audience somewhere, because he never told us he was going to be there, and I was like, oh, my insecurities are dying, you know, like, oh, what's Kyle going to think of me, and I'm thinking, Kyle's probably not going to like me, because I got asked to do this, and he's going to think he was supposed to do this, and He's going to, so whether you don't accomplish or you do accomplish, Satan's going to hit you with more insecurities. Does that make sense? Like I said, the issue isn't just getting through that one insecurity. If, you, if that's your perspective, you're dead. He'll just hit you with the next insecurity, okay? Remember, we, we do these men's retreats, and there's this one guy for like five years from Farmington. I was convinced this guy hated my guts. I, I avoided him like a plague. I come to the men's retreat, and you know what the men's retreats, I'm bold, I'm outgoing, I'm meeting everybody, I'm talking loud. But that one guy, I would be on the opposite side of the lodge from him at all times, pretty much, you know? Because I was convinced, he thinks I'm too young to be leading. He thinks I'm, I'm not where I need to be. He da 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 And then one retreat, he stood up in front of everybody, and he said, um, he just said, I just want to say thank you to Nate publicly, because your life and example have just been huge for me. And seeing the way you trust God has really affected how... I want to grow with God, and you've been somebody that I want to follow and emulate, and I want to be like you, and, and I'm just sitting here going, are you kidding me? I've lived how many years in insecurity about that guy, instead of influencing that guy by faith. <laughs> Does that make sense? We can all do this until we get out of that sin and start trusting God, right? I oftentimes believe other people don't want to follow me, right? I've discipled Malcolm for about four years now. He's about to marry this wonderful woman over here, Leah. Oh my gosh, the first two, three years I knew with Malcolm, I was convinced. Malcolm hates meeting with me. He, he hates meeting with me. He's so strong and athletic, he probably thinks I'm a twerp. He probably thinks I am, I am a runt and nobody likes me. And, and uh, I just had to go every day by faith and say, by faith, God, you have to touch Malcolm, not me. So I'm going to meet with him and expect you to show up. Does that make sense? But I've thought that about almost every guy I've discipled. I'm not kidding you. I've thought that about almost every Bible study I've led, and I think that about evangelism. When I go to share, the same lies that you guys have to deal with in your head, I do too, right? Sometimes I do a blog about evangelism, and we're always training people to do evangelism. I speak on it, and I do it. I do share my faith. But because I'm being vocal about it, people come to me and say, Evangelism must be your spiritual gift. And I say, uh-uh, not at all. I just know it needs to happen. <laughs> so I'm, I'm willing to do it and help others do it, but that is not my gift. I feel very insecure in evangelism often, okay? So those are some of my insecurities, and I'm trying to be honest with you. And to the best of my knowledge, there aren't a whole lot of other ones coming up, right? Those are some of the major ones. Yours might be, might be different, they might be similar, but I just wanted to start by telling you, I deal with insecurities too, and Aaron does too, and I'm sure Kyle and Leah and Angie and Stephanie and Linda, we all deal with those, okay? You're not alone, no matter who you are. So I've often believed the lie that I could beat those insecurities by four different ways. Shoring up the areas that I felt insecure. Have you ever done this? Where you say, I feel insecure there, 
So I'm going to do something to get stronger there. Does that make sense? Or by highlighting the areas I did feel secure. In college, one of those was snowboarding. I was a sponsored snowboarder. So I felt like if I can make sure everybody knows I'm a sponsored snowboarder, then nobody will recognize the things I'm insecure about. So I wear my drive t-shirts and hats and carried stickers around and handed them out and, and it worked. Everybody'd say, You're that sponsored kid. Oh, do you have any stickers? And of course, because I my image was so important, I always had stickers to hand out, you know? And they always built up my pride. Right? So I can either shore up areas that I feel insecure, I can prop up areas that I already feel secure. I can guard where I've been hurt in the past. That's a way of dealing with insecurities. I just build up walls and say that's never going to happen again. I'm never going to get hurt like that again. I'm never going to be open in a relationship again. It's done, right? And finally, the last way that I think I've dealt with insecurities is by trying to prove that I'm better than other people, right? right? And now I'm going to go through those in a minute because I think it's important. We've all done that, right? How many of you guys have tried to deal with insecurities in one of those ways? Probably all of us have. So we try to deal with them those ways. Uh, even if I could shore up all my insecurities, new ones would just pop up. It's a guarantee, okay? And even when I do prop up areas that I feel strong, my pride leaves me feeling even worse than before. Because my pride demands even more to stay at its level. Does that make sense? Once I start thinking I'm all that, when I'm not all that, it makes me feel even more insecure than at the beginning, when I just realized I wasn't all that. Does that make sense? The more I cultivate this image, the more I have to maintain it, otherwise I get rocked, right? So, even when I do this, my pride leaves me feeling even worse than before. Anything I put my hope or security in other than Christ, when not achieved, is going to leave me empty more than before, right? And it's going to leave me hopeless and insecure more than before. What about by guarding where I've been hurt? You can't build walls high enough to protect you from future hurt. It's not possible, guys. You just can't get them that high. And if you ever did get him that high, you'd be the most miserable person alive. You'd be a hermit in the middle of nowhere, all alone. You'd be on a lifetime solo, not a 24-hour solo. When I try to belittle others, I find that comparison is a magnifying glass for insecurities. Because you might find one person that you're better than, but then you'll find ten that are better than you, so to say, quote-unquote, right? And so comparison just magnifies the insecurities that are there. It doesn't resolve them at all. So here's the solution, guys. I want to tell you this solution for insecurities. There are a couple points to it. But this will help you deal with insecurities for the rest of your life. And again, this is a fear issue. What do other people think about me? Bless you. Mr. Fenya. So the solution, walking in the light and being found in him by the power of his Holy Spirit. That's kind of the broad statement, and we'll get into that. Instead of shoring up the areas that I feel insecure, I need to walk in the light. So instead of saying, I have that insecurity, so I need to shore it up and protect it and not let other people see it, I need to get that insecurity out in the light. Does that make sense? It's what I did with you guys this morning. I need to confess it to my brothers. First John 1.7 says that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So the people that I used to think thought badly of me, now I have fellowship with because I'm walking in the light and in honesty. Isn't that good? That's a good key. So if you have a big insecurity, follow James 5.16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Right? I think one of the biggest keys to getting over insecurities is instead of 
hiding where I'm insecure, or shoring it up, just confessing it and getting it out in the light. Letting people know that's a sin and that's an insecurity. Instead of propping up the areas that I feel secure, I need to die to myself. I can't prop those areas I feel secure up enough. I have to die to them. Colossians 3.3 3 says, You die and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. Do I want people to see this, Nate, right here? Or do I want people to see Christ in me? That's what I want. Because Christ in me doesn't have insecurities, but Nate does. Does that make sense? Right? Philippians 3, 7 through 9 puts it this way. Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things and consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Now when Paul is talking about righteousness there, you could very easily make the deduction that that includes a life without insecurities. Because insecurities are sin, and righteousness is not. Does that make sense? So, when he's talking about a righteousness that is by faith, I want to challenge you to achieve a confidence that is by faith. I want you to have a security that is by faith. Because you're being found in him, like Paul said, not in yourself. So instead of propping up where you're strong, dying to yourself and letting him live through you. Instead of guarding where I've been hurt, I need to surrender control to Christ and make myself vulnerable again. Matthew 10.39, Jesus says, Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So finding my life isn't accomplished through building high walls that other people can't break down, but rather by becoming vulnerable and saying simply, I'm not going to guard it. I'm going to lose my life. If somebody wants to make fun of me, they can make fun of me. Because I'm losing my life and finding it in you. That's it. Instead of belittling others, I must think of others as better than myself. Philippians 2.3 The second I get that perspective on other people, insecurities are gone. Because I'm more focused on them than I am on myself, right? If I'm focused on myself, I'm going to be insecure. If I'm focused on others, I'm not going to be insecure. I'm going to be loving. Remember 1 Corinthians 13.4-8? Tell me if this sounds like insecurity to you. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres, and love never fails. See, if I can start loving other people unconditionally, my insecurities will evaporate, because my perspective will be on them rather than on myself. I need to love others and then get this. Like we've been talking about all week, I need to fear God and not man. The first key to beating fear, Kyle talked about it the first night, is fearing God. Because when he has his right place in my mind, and when I realize he's the only one I answer to, I am freed from all other fear, including insecurities. Because that person is not who I answer to. I'm answering to God. Does that make sense? He's the one person that matters. Remember what Jesus said about the Pharisees? They sought the praise of man rather than the praise of God. I don't want to be that person. I want to seek the praise of God, the affirmation of God, more than the affirmation of any other human being. Matthew 10, 28 tells us to fear God, not man or death. Okay? That's a key. The second I can get my fear of God straight, insecurities are going to evaporate. Finally, guys, we need to have an eternal perspective. Does that make sense? 
if my perspective is eternity, and my perspective on this life is that it all goes towards eternity, insecurities are going to vanish. Because I'm going, I'm fighting for something much bigger than what Joe Blow over there thinks of me. Right? I'm living this life to make a difference for eternity. That's going to evaporate insecurities. The, the concept of heaven, if I wrap my hands around what God has done for me and what he's going to give me for eternity, that will make all insecurities just pale in comparison. <clears throat> and either, and that's, you could look at 2 Corinthians 4.18 about an eternal perspective. You could also look at 2 Corinthians 3.18, which says that the Holy Spirit is changing you every day into God's glory. So beating insecurities isn't something that you can do on your own. You guys got that? You can't just wake up and say, I'm not going to be insecure today. You have to wake up every day and say, I'm going to find my security in Christ. Right? He is my identity. He is my security. Insecurities are a sin, guys, and we can't live in that sin cycle. Right? I'm not even going to get further into it right now, but I need to be pressing into Jesus and letting him change that in me. Okay, I need to quit believing Satan's lies. Revelation 12.10 says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren, of believers. So Satan is accusing you. Ephesians 1.6 says that you're accepted in the beloved, in Christ. So Satan accuses you, Christ accepts you. I need to find my security in Christ's acceptance. Not in Satan's lies, not in the world's lies, not in my own flesh's lies. It's kind of like the committee diagram that you guys learned about last night. Okay? Now, I'm almost done here, so stick with me for just a minute. I need to quit comparing myself to others. I need to quit wondering what others think about me. And I need to quit allowing my own expectations to deceive and discourage me. All that stuff, I have to find it in Christ alone. I have to accept the truth that insecurities are sin. I have to get there. You each have insecurities, and I want you to say it with me right now. My insecurity is a sin. Can you say it? One, two, three. My insecurities are sin. Okay, my insecurities are sin. Beth Moore put it this way. Aaron went to a whole conference on insecurities, and she came back with this phenomenal quote. It says, insecurity is not a weakness, it is unbelief. Because it's not believing who God has made me to be. It's not believing that he's enough. It's not believing that I'm a new creation in him. I don't have to like the parts of me that I'm insecure about. That's not what I'm saying. You each have insecurities, and I'm not saying you just have to decide that you like all those things. Because you don't. Right? You need to have a good sense of the good-bad split with yourself. <laughs> right? You need to realize there are some things about me that I don't like, and that's fine. Trust God with the things you don't like about yourself. And thank God for the things you do like about yourself. Right? And then walk as the person that God uniquely made you to be. That will destroy insecurities. He's bigger than your insecurities, guys. He's so much bigger than, ins than your insecurities. Pretty simply, I need to quit thinking so much about myself. Insecurities involve always thinking about myself and what others think about me. That's pride, you guys. Romans 12.3 says to not think of ourselves more highly than we ought. So here's the deal. Pride is thinking of yourself any way differently than Christ thinks of you. Higher or lower. Even if you think, I'm a miserable failure, that's pride. Because you're disagreeing with what God says about you. In other words, you're saying your opinion is true and his isn't. That's pride. Does that make sense? So when I say I'm not good enough, you, you screwed up with me, God, you didn't make me how you could have made me, that's pride. And when you say I'm the greatest thing this world has ever seen, that's obviously pride too. Right? So I need to pretty simply just quit thinking so much about myself. 
I need to surrender that pride to him and let him change me. Okay, I need to have that perspective with others as well, guys. We can't just say I need to beat insecurities on my own. I need to have that perspective of grace with the people around me. Whenever we can't prop up our own confidence, we tend to try and belittle others. That's disastrous. We've talked about it. I have to learn to give them grace. Because other people around me are going to wrong me. And I'm going to stop feeling insecure when I allow them to have the same grace God's given me. Right? Does that make sense? So I need to extend that grace to others. I have to learn to see the best and believe the best in them, even when it doesn't sound fun. So what if you don't learn to trust God with those insecurities? Guys, just, just think that thought. What if the insecurities that you have now stick with you for the rest of your life? You're not going anywhere with God, right? I mean, you'll be saved, I'm not saying that. You'll have some fruit, but your life impact will be minimal. But the second you say, I'm willing to give that insecurity to Christ and have victory over it, you're going to go places for Him, and you're going to do things for Him that you could never do on your own. On your own. Romans 8.31 says, if God is for you, who can be against you? That's true. God is for you. Nobody can be against you. 1 Corinthians 15.10, this is great. It says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Think of what you could be this morning. Do you know that most issues of addiction and sin are passed on in families? It's not an issue of generational curses. That's not biblical. But it is an issue, I think, of learned traits. If you live in an environment where there's alcoholism or alcoholism or alcoholics, you'll probably learn that trait. And you might have some genetic predisposition towards that. If you live in an abusive household, you'll probably learn abusive traits. Does that make sense? Now think about your backgrounds, the families that you were raised in. There's probably a whole lot there that's not good. Think about the patterns of addiction that existed in your families and relatives and friends. It's probably not good. Think about the hard experiences that you've had. One in three women have been sexually abused. One in six men have. It means a whole lot of people in this room have. And that those types of experiences, if, if not surrendered to God, will cause you to live in guilt and shame forever until they're given to God. Right? Think about the bad influences that each of you had. The friends that talked you into doing things that you didn't want to do. And the people that told you, if you'll just do this, you'll be accepted. And because I was so insecure, I wanted to be accepted. And I wanted to do it. Right? Think about all those bad influences. Then add to that your flesh and the world and Satan. Okay? You figure out what that equation equals, and I'm surprised you're not all in jail. <laughs> right? It's God alone that's made you who you are. Does that make sense? By the grace of God, you are what you are. Simply by the grace of God. And by the grace of God, you're becoming what he wants you to be. So keep that perspective. You might not like everything about you, but there's a whole lot to like about yourself. And you know what that is? It's Christ in you. You can really like Christ in you. Because he's pretty sweet, right? He's pretty good. So what would I be without those insecurities is the next question I want to ask you. We all have those. What would your life be if you never had those again? If you had full freedom from those insecurities? If I will finally find myself in him, I'll experience, I will experience the freedom he set me free to experience. That's true. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Right? That's a command. Don't let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. 
When I feel insecure, oftentimes, you know what I do? I haven't always done this. I'm learning to do this. I just say, by faith, right now, I'm going for it. <laughs> okay? Sometimes it's getting up and doing a talk. Sometimes it's leading a Bible study. Sometimes it's a discipleship appointment. Who knows? But I've just come to the place in my life where when I feel that insecurity, I say, you know what? I'm not going to let it control me. I am going to walk through that fear like we've been talking about all week. I'm going to trust God with this insecurity. It's not going to stop me. I'm going to go through it. And when you start walking by faith like that, you'll start to see that insecurity vanishing. And that's when you are saying, yes, I am not going to be burdened again with the yoke of slavery. I am not going to let that thing tie me down. I'm going to walk through it and have victory through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Galatians 5.1 comes shortly after Galatians 2.20. Remember what that says? And they're very connected. If Galatians 2.20 doesn't happen, 5.1 never will, right? And here's what 2.20 says. I have been crucified with Christ. I have died to myself. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. See, when I get to that point where I'm dying to myself and letting him live his life through me, then I really will experience that freedom. And nothing will keep me in bondage. And no insecurity will be able to lay a finger on me. Does that make sense, guys? So I hope that this talk has encouraged you. And if you need to talk with a staff person about any of this, definitely go for it. You'll have time today, tomorrow, and definitely Monday. We'll have a lot of time for that. But we're way behind schedule, and we need to get repelling, okay? So I'm going to pray and close this out. God, I thank you so much that you're so good to us. I thank you so much for the freedom that you paid for at Calvary for each one of us. God, so that we wouldn't have to live lives of insecurity, so that we could live lives of freedom and confidence in you. God, so that we wouldn't find our esteem in ourselves, but that we'd find it in you. God, I thank you so much that you've made us bold. God, Proverbs 18 says that you've made us as bold as lions. God, I think that that is what every one of us in here wants. We want to be bold like lions more than we want to live in insecurity. So God, thank you that you already did it and that you've equipped us to walk in that. We love you so much, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.